0: Hey, it's Damon. I'm taking a moment to give thanks to Shad and Sherry for this week's Patreon support. I'm often strategizing new projects and thinking through new ways to bring content to the community, and donations like Sherry's and Shad's are going to make this stuff possible. If you'd like to support the show and my work, take a moment to go to patreon.com waireally to express your support for sharing adoption stories for others in the community to hear and heal from. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash w-a-i-really. Thank you so much. Oh, and one more thing. If you've been listening to Who Am I Really for a while, you may remember episode 40, I Mattered Throughout the Years, with Jennifer, my guest. Well, she recently launched her own adoptee-focused podcast, Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land.
1: Hi. Hi. It's Jennifer Diane Ghoston, and I invite you to experience Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, the podcast. Along with an audio drama of my adoption story, you will hear from other adoptees from all walks of life who said yes to a conversation with me about their journey for the purpose of encouraging members of the community. A special thank you to Damon Davis, host of the podcast, Who Am I Really?, He played a major role in helping me to launch my podcast in March of this year. If you find value in at least one episode of Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, please share the podcast with someone today. Also, take the time to like and subscribe so others can find it wherever they listen to podcasts for free.
0: All right. Now it's time for this week's show.
2: Showed me all kinds of photo albums and told me stories about him growing up. And he was very open, very revealing, very just, you know, emotionally generous, whereas my birth mother was emotionally repressed. So it was a completely different feeling and vibe, and I I just loved being with all those people. They were like my people. It was like I found my
1: people. Who am I?
2: Who am I? Who
1: am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I?
0: Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? a podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and you're about to meet Sari, who called me from New Mexico. When Sari was a girl, the school science project on heredity ignited her desire to learn her truth. After decades of searching for her birth parents, she found her birth father first, or so she thought, When she confronted her birth mother about the man, she was stonewalled and lied to, and Sari learned that her birth mother wasn't the woman she'd hoped she would be to her either. Ultimately, Sari decided she'd keep the relationship with her quote-unquote birth father because, for the first time as an adoptee, the choice was up to her who she got to call family. This is Sari's journey. Before we started, Sari told me about her nomadic lifestyle with her husband, with whom she lets her creative juices flow in all kinds of interesting ways. We talked about her real estate endeavors, a creative home they made out of two old truck trailers, and driving all through Europe and more. We definitely could have talked for a while about a whole assortment of things unrelated to adoption, but those things weren't what brought us together. Sari was born in Los Angeles and lived in Orange County. Back then, her father's job as an airline pilot got the family transferred to northern New Jersey. They lived in a house with a big yard in a beautiful suburban neighborhood with a lake that was absolutely amazing for a little girl growing up. While the family lived in New Jersey, they adopted Sari's younger sister. Sari told me she can remember more about adopting her new cat back then than she can recall about bringing home her sister but the story of her newly adopted sister is definitely more relevant here.
2: The story about getting her was they got a call late at night saying, we have a little baby girl, come get her. And my mom was sick with the flu. My dad was on a flight and she said, I can't, we can't take that baby because of these conditions and the person on the phone said well this baby will be better with you under those conditions than where she is wow. so of course my mom said okay we'll, we'll come get her and when we went the next day as a family to go pick up my sister my mom said she was holding this little baby and she was watching me and I was standing next to my mom and she said, I could see your wheels and your head turning, turning, trying to figure out what was happening because I had no warning at all that this was happening. And she said, it clicked, you figured it out. This little baby was gonna be your sister and she was going home and she said, you changed. And you never went back to yourself again. And she told me that story maybe five or six times in my life, as I was an adult, not when I was a little girl, of course. But I always thought that was really interesting because I don't remember it, but it was profound. And I think now, what I know now, I think it was very traumatic for me.
0: That's really interesting. Was she at all able to articulate the change in you? It might have been tough to... Speak to, But did she describe it at all?
2: Yes, she did. She said that prior to that moment, I was very happy-go-lucky and joyful and cheerful and silly and happy. And after that, I was more subdued.
0: That's really interesting. I can't help wondering if part of it... Well, you said it was pretty subtle, like there was no build-up to it. I could see how, you know, if an infant is coming into the home after mom has carried it for nine months, you talk about it a lot. You're going to be a great big sister and this and that and the other. But if one day there's no kid and then all of a sudden you you drive out to some place and it's impossible for the adults to describe to you where you're going and what you're about to do and make it sink in. And now suddenly this infant's coming home. You were the center of attention, I would imagine. And now you're sharing it and there's a new infant. And, yeah, I could see how that was traumatic.
2: yeah. I I and I think three is a hard age. If you, if I would had been two, one and a half, or two, or four, or five, I think it would have been different. But I think I've read when you're three, it's you just you know and you understand enough to know that that perfect life you just had is over with. Now you have to share everything. And for a three-year-old, it's a three-year-old adopted child. I think that's very traumatic.
0: Sari said she got really lucky with her parents. They weren't perfect, no parents are, but she said they were perfect for Sari and her sister. Her mom was an airline stewardess and a nurse. Her dad was a pilot in World War II, got a master's degree from Stanford University, and they met one another later in life for what was the norm in the 1950s. They met and got married in their 30s. Sari's parents traveled a lot, including trips to Germany, where Sari had an aunt who was an army nurse stationed there. Her parents visited orphanages there in Germany.
2: They fell in love with a little boy named Michael, who was blonde, blue-eyed, and three years old. (laughs) And they wanted him so badly. They loved him. They would go back and visit him. And they were not allowed to adopt him because they wouldn't allow German babies to leave Germany and go to America. Mm. And so they they didn't have a, you know, the heartache of infertility or anything like that. They were very okay with adoption and having other children, not their own, to raise as a, as their family. So there was that. And they were more mature and they had a lot of life experiences. So... You know, they were handsome and pretty and <laughs> fashionable and well spoken and well read. They were all those good things that you want, you know, you'd want your parents to be. But when they adopted a, me, I was, they were 39, 40. And so they were a little bit older for parents, but they just put, they poured everything into me. They, they, you know, for my education and, my, they sent me to Montessori school. They sent us to private Catholic school. Everything that they could do to give us the very best opportunity in life, they did. They, we had every lesson that you could ever think of. And yeah. when we found something that we loved, so I loved piano and I loved ballet. And so that's what I did for years. Anything we wanted to learn, we learned. And they were, they really wanted to, us to be independent women and self sufficient. And they, that's how they raised us, and they accomplished that because we're both that way.
0: That's amazing. I couldn't help but think as you described your parents—one a pilot, the other a nurse and a doctor—it it's almost it's almost it sounds like the idyllic couple idyllic couple that they describe to the biological mother
2: mm-hmm.
0: when they say, you know, your your child is going to go to this great home. There's these two amazing uh-huh. parents. You know what I mean? Like. They yeah. they sound like they truly were amazing people, but they also sound like they lived up to the parents on the cover of the brochure, like the sales pitch. Yeah,
2: I know exactly what you mean. They're like the magazine ad for, here's exactly. the, the perfect adoptive parents. Yes. But the funny thing about that is... My mom was Catholic, my dad was not Catholic, and they applied for adoption in California through a Catholic adoption agency. They went through the whole protocol, and then they got rejected because my father wasn't Catholic, and my mother was. And my mom went to the main office to talk to the president of the of the agency, wow. and she said, I just lit into him, and I said, how dare you be the judge? of who my husband can be a father of or that he can be a father or can't be a father because he's the perfect man to be the father to any child. And why would you deprive a child of having that this man as their father? And not very long later, they got an acceptance letter. And then not very long later, I was born and they got the call to come and get me.
1: Wow.
0: Jeez. That's yeah, really so interesting.
2: Yeah, it worked out really well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow, that's really cool. Sari told me a story about when she was seven years old, and her little brain thought that because she was adopted, and her sister was adopted, and her best friend back in New Jersey was adopted, that everyone was adopted. When they moved to California, her new best friend was a little girl that lived across the street from Sari's family. They were close enough that when the best friend's mom got pregnant, Sari observed her little belly getting bigger and bigger as her pregnancy progressed. That December, their family had a baby boy.
2: So he came home in a Christmas stocking from the hospital. (laughs) And that made such a big impression on me. But then that was the first time I thought, oh, not everybody goes to get their sister at the, you know, in my little girl mind, it was like, we went to the kennel, like we went to go get the cat, which I remembered, but I don't remember going to get my sister, but I thought of it as going to the kennel to get a cat. You you don't do that when you go get your sister. You go, Your mom goes to the hospital. So it was very interesting.
0: It sounded like life was really great in their family. When I asked Siri about how she got along with her sister, she said,
2: We don't. We didn't. We don't. <laughs> We try really hard, but we are so very, very different. And I also, I also think that my, uh, you know, that emotion that got trapped when that trauma from when she came home, and she was she was traumatized when she came home. I, all I remember from about her when we were growing up is that she cried a lot, and we went from this calm, quiet house to kind of chaotic, and that was not good for me. So I think that that just carried forward. And my mom didn't really do much to help bond us. And we're really very, very different from each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, wow.
2: that is really, so, but we try, we have good moments. And then we have periods where we just, we have to part away from each other for a while, but we love each other. And we're sisters. I mean, we are total sisters, but I guess there are a lot of sisters biologically related that also have issues with each other and right. you know struggle to maintain an even-keeled relationship, and we're no different.
0: When Sari was about 10, she had a science project in school about heredity. The kids had to share where they thought they got the color of their eyes or other physical features. Sari was a very shy child, but she told her teacher she was sorry. She couldn't do the project because she was adopted. Her teacher and the school community knew Sari's parents well because they were involved with the school while she was there. The science teacher didn't believe Sari was adopted and accused her of lying to get out of doing the work. Lying to get out of homework was not the kind of kid Sari was, and the whole thing ignited a strong urge within her to learn more about where she came from and who her birth parents were.
2: And I I started articulating it right away with my mom and dad immediately, because I told them, and then we started talking about it. And my mom was not always really comfortable with it, but my dad was, and my sister wasn't comfortable with it either. But over the years, my mom would come. And so for instance, one of my pastimes, when I was about 13, I started to become fascinated in home design, and architecture. And I would go back to this back bedroom that we had, and I would draw floor plans and houses. And attached to the house was also a make-believe family, like my dream family with all the brothers and sisters and the young mom and dad and that adoptee fantasy. If you could live in alternate reality, this is what I'd like to have. And my mom came into this room and I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And she came in and she said, I've been thinking, I just remembered that in your adoption paperwork, it said that your birth father was an architect. And I'd never heard anything like that from her or them at all, like something about my birth family. And I I looked up at her and she said, I just thought I might want to tell you. And then she laughed and I burst into tears <laughs> oh, <laughs> because boy. I'd never heard of anything that was like me. My parents aren't into architecture. They took me around to all the model homes and all the buildings and everything. They were great about that, but they weren't into that. And so to hear that. And then later she would say, I just remember either your birth grandmother. your One of them was a pianist and I played the piano you know, things like that. And and then a friend of ours would, was Irish. And she said, he said, I think Sari's a black Irish. I think she's Irish. And so they, they said, you know, I think you're right. I think it said that in her adoption paperwork. So they signed me up for, since I was a dancer, they signed me up for Irish dance lessons. Uh-huh. And then when I was, we were 16, I was 16, we went to Europe and half the time we were there, we were in Ireland because I was Irish. So they, they were really good about that, but it made me even more curious.
0: When Sari turned 18, knowing she was interested in her origins, her parents gifted her the documents about her life as they knew it, her adoption paperwork. In the gift was Sari's name change form, which had her original name at birth. From that point, back in 1980, she started searching for her birth parents. She called it Old Fashioned Nancy Drew Pounding the Pavement Searching. It took her 17 years, until she was in her late 30s, to make a connection. But she said it's fine that it took her that long because she doesn't think she could have handled it all at a younger age. In the early part of her search, in the 1980s, Sari tried to get her birth certificate with her adopted name, Sari. But that amended birth certificate didn't seem to exist. Realizing the name change probably went through, but no amended birth certificate was ever created, Sari sent away to get her original birth certificate using her birth name. I asked her what it was like to see that comprehensive set of information about herself and her birth parents from so many years before.
2: I I mean, I'd worked really hard for four years with nothing to show for it, and it was like winning the lottery because I had my birth mother's full name, I had her age, I had her address, I had my birth father's name, his age, their nationalities, their religion, their occupations. I had my original time of birth. I had all of those things that uh, that I had never had, and it was it was amazing.
0: And it's funny too. If you hadn't thought about it before, it's a piece of history about yourself that you didn't even realize. Like, oh gosh, I never actually knew that these things were missing facts for me. You know,
2: that was the, the time of my birth. I never knew I, need, I needed to know that so badly until I saw it because <laughs> I was born at almost at 11 p.m. And I, I'm a night owl. And so when I saw that, I thought, oh, I wonder if I'm a night owl because I was born at 11 o'clock. It's like my magic hour, you know, it's when all the juices start. And it was just very interesting to me.
0: Since her adopted mom had told Sari that her biological father was an architect, She really focused on him first during her search. Her information said he was from Missouri and he had a name that wasn't so common that she couldn't narrow down her search enough to start calling people she found with that last name. All of the calls were dead ends. Sari took time off from her search for several years. She had gotten pregnant, she was working, and she was just busy with life. When the urge hit her again, Sari made a road trip down to San Diego right to the address for her birth mother's home that was on her birth certificate. No one with that family name lived there anymore. She started making regular visits to San Diego, doing some boots on the ground investigation, knocking on doors, visiting churches, looking through birth certificates, and all kinds of detective work to find the breadcrumb trail that could lead to a connection. In 1996, one of Sari's friends had a computer, and he offered to look up Sari's birth father's semi-unique name. Searching the entire country, her friend with the computer brought her 20 names from guys all across the country with her birth father's name. They decided to search by the man's first name, middle initial, and last name, and the search returned only one person.
2: And I ran into work, I called that phone number, a man answered, and I said, hung up. And I went back out and I told my friend, I said, I think that's him. And I want you to call him. And these are all the things that that I know, and you need to get out of him without asking leading questions. But I don't want you to know, I don't want to know when you're doing it. So he did, he did that for me. About three months later, he says, I'm gonna come over and we'll watch a movie. I said, Okay, and he knocks on the door. Uh, you know that night and he's got the biggest smile on his face and he said it's him and I said what because now I've kind of forgotten and he said that's your father you're uh, it's him he's call. he's waiting for you to call him right now and I'm like oh my god I can't call him right now and it, you know became a puddle and so I called him the next day and that was Labor Day 1997 and we talked and talked and talked and talked and talked oh. and he was absolutely overjoyed he knew about me he'd always wondered about me he didn't know if I was a boy or girl he had offered to marry my birth mother she refused and then when he was sent away on a mission and he was in the in the Marines. And when he came back, he, he found her and she'd already remarried and had another baby and she wouldn't talk to him about me and what happened to me. So he didn't know if I was a boy or girl, where he lived, who raised me, he knew nothing about me. So he had always wanted to know and so he was elated. And his first wife, who, who's the mother of his children, she even wrote me a letter welcoming me into her family and was excited I was going to be her children's sibling. And and they're wonderful. All of them were wonderful and still are.
0: That is unreal. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's this was 1996. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah. And did you meet him?
2: I did. Now I don't remember when I met my bir- when I found my birth mother, but it was about a year later, and that's a whole nother Nancy Drew sort of novel. But I found her, and uh, we found we made a phone call, initial phone call when we were down in San Diego looking, and by the time we drove home, which is a two-hour drive, there was a voicemail on my voicemail, the old-fashioned voicemail machine, and it was my birth mother, and she said, "Well." you surprised me. And now it's my turn to surprise you. And she giggled and it's my giggle. And I listened to that. I crumbled onto the floor in a puddle. I was laughing and crying with my hand up on the repeat button, playing it over <laughs> and over <laughs> again because I was listening to my birth mother's voice and it wasn't that different than mine. And um, and then I think just a few months later, my daughter and I flew to the East Coast and we met both of them separately. They, they lived in two different states. Wow. we went on a big trip to go meet them.
0: That's cool. But how, how did you find her? Because to this point, unless I missed something, you've been talking about finding him. So how did yeah, you find well, her? Yeah, I found,
2: I found him first. And then after I found him, he gave me more information. And I guess I really just wanted to find him. I really, all this time, I did not fantasize about my birth mother. I only fantasized about my siblings and my birth father, the architect, who, he's not an architect. (laughs) But I was really, really focused on him. Um, And so after I found him, I thought, okay, now I'll find her. And so I found her.
0: Sari bought a plane ticket for a red-eye flight from Southern California to Virginia for herself and her eight-year-old daughter. Her birth mother was working in the tourism industry, so she upgraded her daughter and granddaughter's flights to business class, which made landing at 5.30 a.m. East Coast time a whole lot better.
2: We got off the plane, and I hugged her, and she's very short. I'm not tall, but she's very, very short. I bent over and hugged her, and it honestly was like hugging nothing. There was no connection. There was no emotion. I got nothing from her. And I was stunned because I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting her to be more like mean, very emotive. And and not that I wanted drama at all, but I just wanted like a warm hug. And it was almost like a side hug.
0: That is disappointing. Wow. Did she warm up later?
2: (laughs) No, she never did. I've known her 20 something years now. She's the same. Hmm. That's really she has a lot of emotion, but I think that she's traumatized and she doesn't know how to break through. She, I think there's a lot of fear. Hmm. I don't know. I can't speak for her, but she's she's nice. She's friendly, but she's vague and she's not revealing. She doesn't tell you anything about herself, really. It's all very superficial.
0: Wow. So she picks you up at the airport. Is that right? You and your daughter. Yeah. So did she you yeah. have her granddaughter with you? Did you notice yeah. how, how was she with your with your daughter?
2: She was awesome. <laughs> she was really great. My daughter was really into the Titanic soundtrack at the time. And my birth mother knew that ahead of time and bought the cassette tape maybe at the time and played it the full time we were there we were there for 4 days she took us down to williamsburg which is like a 4 hour drive we spent the night we had it was really nice it wasn't that it was uncomfortable or it wasn't nice it was just so different it was different than i expected but we had a really nice time and also right right before that a couple of days before going my stomach turned into a hard ball and i ended up with chronic fatigue and Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease. But I didn't know that for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But I think going to meet my birth family was a trigger, was one of the triggers. And there were others too, of course, but I think that was one of them. And, and so I was uncomfortable physically for part of that trip. And we had four days with her and then my daughter and I rented a car and we drove to South Carolina and we met my birth father And it was the complete and utter opposite in every way possible. Really? When I met
0: him. How do you mean? Tell me. He
2: drove to the end of the road. He met me, came out and hugged us and was so excited, drove us back to his house. And we had two days with him and his lovely wife. And uh, then he had his stepmom who raised him, his daughter, her family. They all came for a big dinner. I was Uh, telling family stories and he went through showed me all kinds of photo albums and told me stories about him growing up and he was very open very revealing very just you know emotionally generous whereas my birth mother was emotionally repressed so it was a completely different feeling and vibe and I would I just loved being with all those people they were like my people It was like I found my people
0: that's amazing wow south carolina huh Yep, that's unreal so interesting
2: well one thing i want to add to that though is when my birth father dropped us off at the airport um we said our goodbyes and my daughter and i walked into the airport and as soon as the door closed behind me i started to cry and i did not stop crying until we got to denver i just cried and cried and cried and cried I had a headache, I was motion sick, I was just a wreck. And I'm not like that. I just, I'm pretty level-headed, I get really excited, but I'm not emotional like that. I don't cry over things like that, but I think it was all those years of searching, it was over with and I found them and I was so disappointed in how my birth mother was, just her personality and that didn't line up with who I am and what i was hoping for in a birth mother but i was as disappointed as i was with that i was overjoyed to have found this birth father who was everything i would have wanted and his his daughter my half sister was so wonderful and we kind of looked like he thought we looked like twins and so you know i was so happy but with my birth mother i thought well i You know, I just, I'm not the kind of person to give up, so I'm just going to keep going along. And my daughter really liked her, and so we maintained a relationship.
0: Sari's birth mother would fly from Virginia to her sister's house in Southern California, and Sari would get to visit with her. The woman would fly to Oregon, where Sari's maternal half-brother, the woman's son, lived, and she'd visit with the woman there. Sari got along wonderfully with her brother and it was like they were the brother and sister to one another that they never had but always wanted. Even though she didn't have much in common with her birth mother, Sari maintained the relationship because her daughter loved the woman and Sari was really enjoying her new brother. For 20 years, Sari and her birth mother had good times together. Their relationship was superficial, distant, they had vague interactions, and Nothing deep or genuine made a connection, but they had good times overall when they visited with one another.
2: She didn't really give you much detail, so I thought, I wonder what she's hiding. It turns out she was hiding some things. About 20 years later, my husband and I were having an anniversary, and Ancestry.com was having a sale. We thought, let's do our DNA for fun. And so we did, and we sent it in. And my daughter had already done her DNA with Ancestry and my birth mother had already done her DNA with Ancestry like the first year they had it years ago. And at one point I had asked my birth father, would you mind submitting some DNA? You know, I thought just in case something happened to him and I have no paternal link, you know, I could have a half brother do his DNA. But I thought I just asked my birth father, he said, sure, be happy to. So he did. And I did it through 23andMe for him. And he gave me the rights to his DNA was absolutely not interested in it at all. So I had his DNA. And um, when I got my DNA back, it said, my daughter's your daughter, your birth mother's my birth mother. And some other guy named Johnny is your birth father. And that's not my birth certificate, father. Wow. And that was the beginning of this huge emotional unraveling that I was not expecting. And I wouldn't have thought I would have been so upturned by it, but I was.
0: Sari immediately went back into research and problem-solving mode. She dug into Johnny's family tree online, which only had branches for Johnny, his mother and father, and some grandparents. At the time, one of Siri's good friends was retired, so they spent weeks trying to figure out who the man was.
2: And then I called my birth mother, and she said, I've never known anybody by that name. He's not your father. Your birth father's your birth father. There's no, no, but no other way anybody else could be your birth father. I don't know who this person is. There's a mistake. Mm. So, of course, I had to make sure that she was not lying, and, um, you know, the ancestry says there's no lie with dna (laughs) so then i do more research about who this man is and where he lived i tracked him through his whole life as much as i could he had a three-part interview uh, in his business and it was online so i was able to watch like an hour and a half of him being interviewed which was really helpful because he gave a lot of information about him and his life in that interview and he, it all lined up. He was, he was where my birth mother was when I was conceived, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't from San Diego, but he was living in San Diego at the time. So, and he worked for the same company she worked for and the same company her father worked for. So, you know, it was, there's no way it could be that coincidental and the DNA matches. So I spoke to him twice. He remembers her. He told me the whole story. And she maintained and still maintains that she doesn't remember him. It's been three years since that has, almost four years since that's happened. That was the first surprise. (laughs) There's another surprise, but go ahead. If you have a question about that, you should ask me. Yeah,
0: you you said that this began an unraveling for you, I think are the words Mm. you used. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, so when I was a little girl... Growing up in the Catholic school, every around Passover, we would have a Seder meal with our, uh, the local rabbi would come. And I fell in love with Judaism and I wanted to be Jewish in the worst way. And I started reading everything, every story, every, you know, everything I could read about Jewish people in Europe mostly. And the architecture and the piano point, all these things. Um, And then when I met my birth father, I just adored him. He was just, he's outlandish and gregarious and so much fun. I built the family tree. I discovered that his mother who died during childbirth when she was giving birth to him, he never knew her, but she was Jewish. Her father was Jewish from a prominent Jewish family in Bohemia. And I was thrilled about that. I was thrilled to be part of that. I was thought, I must have known uh, so all of these things. Then his children, who I really like, one of the brothers, there's three of them, one of the brothers says, I just tell everybody, you're just the petite feminine version of myself. And we do, we look so much alike. It's just crazy. The other brother and I don't look alike, but we think a lot alike and we have common interests and we could talk for days and days and days without stopping. And, you know, so it's, so I identified with them so much, and then when I found out that I wasn't them and they weren't me, I, I was de- devastated. I was devastated. I was as heartbroken as if I found out my adopted dad wasn't my dad. You know, if you know, under under other circumstances, it was that that emotional and that hard.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you've identified with a culture and a religion. At a young age and then come to find out, oh, my gosh, that's always been part of me. This is amazing. And then DNA says no. Yeah. And you had to reset everything. That's yeah. so. Yeah.
2: And then in dealing yeah. with my birth mother, not I felt like she wasn't telling the truth and she was being very elusive and. She kept saying, no, she'd say, no, I didn't. I never knew anybody that name. Oh, I think I knew somebody that with that name when I was in high school, but different person. Oh, no. You know, she would always change her story. And then at one point that summer that I was doing all that research and trying to figure everything out, she would, she wouldn't answer my phone calls. And finally she said, you know, I'm always afraid of, I'm afraid to answer the phone because I don't know what you're going to discover. And I thought, oh my gosh, what other secrets do you have?
0: (laughs) Wow. And did you discover other secrets?
2: Oh, yes. Because then a sister shows up on 23 Me. Because then I have to do my, I have to do DNA with everybody to make sure that my DNA with my birth certificate father really isn't matching. You know, so I do DNA with everybody. And then a few months later, on 23 and Me, you have a half-sister. And I thought, oh, that's probably my birth father's daughter. And that's great. But it. She was also adopted, and she's two years older than me, and she was born in San Diego and adopted at birth. And uh, my birth mother said, "Nope, she's not my daughter. I did not have a baby in that year. I did have a stillborn baby before that, but I've never had. I didn't have a baby in that year." So it this was out...
0: a maternal sister, half sister, not
2: mm-hmm. paternal,
0: as you assumed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What and she denied it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it no. took her about a few months to finally come around. Really? And I was happy about that cuz that <clears throat> that woman, my half sister, she really needed a birth mother. She needed a, her birth mother to be her mother. She calls her mom. And I've never I've always called her by her first name and I've never considered her family at all. So uh, this this half sister really needed somebody to be her birth mother. And and. uh, So at least the birth mother came around.
0: So this is an interesting juncture. You have discovered that your paternity is not was not accurate based on what she said. Mm -hmm. She denied it for the longest and sounds like still denies it. Yeah. And then when a new fact came up after she said, I'm afraid what else you're going to learn, something else comes up and you've learned new information that Mm -hmm. you had another sister out there. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And when you met her, this whole aloof feeling that you got, like, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot left there for you. Is that right?
2: Yeah, and and I I didn't talk to her for three years, but I I kept thinking, you know, she's not young anymore. She's in her 80s, and she's not in the best of health. And if if she died, would I feel bad for not talking to her again? So I called her, and we spoke in um, October, November, and it was the same. It hadn't changed. So I have no intention of. Um, well, I thought, well, I'll I'll try, and I'll just see if we can, you know, be friends and but she doesn't want to be friends on the phone i said if we're going to be friends then we need to be friends on the phone and not on social media and not texting just let if you want to speak to me call me but she doesn't want to call me she said it's too confrontational i just want to see your pictures on social media so Hmm. she's not allowed to do that i told her you're not allowed to do that as my birth mother to peep in on my life without having uh the courage to work through some of these things together.
0: Wow. Is there, how has that impacted your daughter's relationship with her?
2: That's the problem because it's impacted their relationship with each other. And they were never very close, close. You know, my, my daughter and my mom that raised me, were really close and in fact they looked a lot alike and in fact I look sort of like my adoptive mom but, um, my, but my, mom, my birth mother and my daughter like each other and they get along and they understand each other but they don't have much in the way of communication now because of that and I've had no communication really to speak of with my half-brother her son um, which I'm very sad about because I adore him. It's God, been hard in those kind of regards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of hard, what ended up happening then with the birth father that's not actually your birth father?
2: Well, I've never told him and I struggled with that. I got counseling advice and but not by a number of people because I didn't but it was like let sleeping dogs lie. I I went through such trauma over that and he knew about me for 18 years before i knew about him oh well 14 years if you count when my mom told me he was an architect um and he wondered about me all the, this whole time and i think that he would just be he would be devastated i told him about my older half sister that my birth mother had and he was horrified he had no idea and he was he was horrified about that Um, And I I did that. I told him that because I wanted to test the waters. I wanted to see how he would react to that. And I decided, nope, if he's taking it that, that badly, I am not going to tell him he's not my birth father.
0: Oh, boy.
2: So they don't know. Once he's gone, I'll tell my half-siblings or his children because I don't want to keep any secrets, but I just don't want to hurt him.
0: I hear you. Yeah, he's lavished such love on you and was yeah. so excited to have yeah. you find him it's wow that is so tough
2: that yeah. is so tough a horrible position to be in yeah <laughs> and i've seen him since then we just spent a few days with him in the summertime and it was it was hard on some regards but now the other half I, I thought you know i get to choose these things and i'm choosing him as my birth dad That's just how it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's all. That's a really good way to think about it. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that Um, because, you know, as the adoptees, we're chosen to be part of the family. And now you're getting to make a selection about who gets to be in your family. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. Sari has found who she thought was her birth father, discovered he wasn't an architect, wasn't from Missouri, and isn't her birth father at all, despite their amazing connection. She found her birth mother, spent tons of time with her, didn't connect at all, but she did with her brother, and her own daughter really liked her maternal grandmother. Through DNA testing, Sari found another sister, whom she assumed was her paternal sister, but it turned out she was an older maternal sister that her birth mother never told her about and wouldn't fess up to having placed for adoption. That's a lot of emotional unraveling for one person to cope with. I wondered how Sari's doing these days.
2: Well, aside from the fact that I feel like I'm lying to him or I'm keeping secrets, which I don't relish that at all, I'm 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 doing good. I've made peace with all of that. But it was it was a lot of work and I had a lot of therapy <laughs> to get here. Mm-hmm. And there's been forgiveness. I had to forgive my birth mother for lying and there's a lot of understanding you know you get a young girl and she wasn't even that young she was in her mid-20s you had a a woman young woman who's made some bad decisions and and she doesn't know who the father is and there's no hard feeling about that at all I mean I was in my mid-20s and got pregnant so I'm not anyone to judge that kind of behavior at all but you know it's just the the honesty issue it's like instead of being real and going oh my lord i had no idea i'm so sorry what a huge mistake i can't believe that happened there was nothing there was no kind of attitude like that it was just very confidently no that's not possible if he's not your father this is what she said if he's not your if your birth father's not your birth father i'm not your birth mother she said that wow. to me twice and then finally i said well then i guess you're not my birth mother because <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. What a, How are
2: you going to be about it?
0: Yeah, that's a, wow, that's a really harsh, one harsh thing to say. And you've got facts. And that comment is based on something you have hard facts on. So it seems just so contrary to to say something as stark as that when you have the facts. I just, I'm struggling with words because it's just so inconceivable that someone could say something as harsh as that. Yeah. Given what you know. Yeah, that's how I felt. Wow. Wow, Sari, this is unbelievable. I, you know, I, I, I saw what your story was like when you, when I read it, and I just, I can't believe that this is the twist that you live with. But I gotta say, I love that you said, "I get to choose who my family is," and that you just are embracing him. But it's still. It's got to be tough, and I really wish you all the best in trying to just maintain your happiness in the relationships that you do have, with the siblings that you've got, and you know, with this man that just loves you. I think that's really amazing, and you're you're really lucky for that uh, because it could have turned out differently. I am.
2: I'm so thankful. I mean. Now I've come around to the fact that I'm thankful that she was wrong about who my birth father was on my birth certificate because I've had this gift of this wonderful man and his family all these years and the history of behind his family, which is very rich, and I, I'm so happy that I have that. And I would have I would have missed out on a lot if I had if she had just skipped over him and gone right to the person who really was my birth father. And I'm sure that he has an interesting family story also. Um, ironically, I did speak to him twice and we did get to know each other, but we don't have a relationship with each other, but this is the weird thing. Every adoptee has these weird coincidences and the couple of mine are one is that I was born in California. We moved to New Jersey. We lived in a tiny little town and, and he was born and raised three miles away from that tiny little town in another little tiny little town. Oh, in wow. New Jersey.
0: That's crazy. This is the this biological is, birth father. This
2: is the biological, the DNA. Yeah. Wow. And the other weird coincidence is that my my sister, my adopted sister, and I, our birth mothers have the same first name, and now our birth fathers have the same first name. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that weird?
0: That is bizarre. <laughs> wow, Sari. Well, thank you so much for taking time to share your story. This is <laughs> really remarkable. And, uh, and well, I'm glad to you're, know you're doing okay.
2: You're welcome. And thank you for allowing me to share my story and to speak my truth. And mm-hmm. thank you for all your work. I have I think I've listened to every episode. You were part of my healing and my understanding and kind of coming out of the fog sort of one layer at a time. And I really appreciate all the effort that you've put into your podcast. It's just remarkable. And it's such a huge gift. And wow. I really appreciate your work. Thank, thank you
0: so much. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do it. If people like you didn't step forward, it would just be me telling my story over and over again. So yeah. it's really yeah. adoptees like yourself who are coming forward to open up that are helping other people. So I'm thank glad you. you're now part of the, the crew that is helping others. So thank you so much yeah, for being here. I appreciate very it. Much, All right, Siri, take care. All the best All right. to you. Okay. Take
2: care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.
0: Bye-bye. hey it's me sari spent decades trying to find her birth parents operating on information she thought was documented correctly on her birth certificate she found everyone she was looking for and flew across the country to meet them only to learn later that they weren't who she thought they were at all sari thought her birth mother would be a woman she could connect with but the secrets of the woman's life seemed to keep a massive barrier up that wouldn't let sari inside The man from South Carolina, who she grew to love so much, whose children she took as her own siblings, and whose wife wrote a letter to welcome her into the family with her kids turned out not to be a blood relation at all. Adoption reunion can be an unbelievable roller coaster as we try to let people into our lives, try to make our way into theirs, and discover truths about our new relations and ourselves that we never knew about before. I really liked that Sari chose to keep the relationship with her birth father. He sounds like a great guy, with a great family, and a big heart. Where better to be reunited than with someone who loves her like he does? I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Sari's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit WhoAmIReallyPodcast.com share. You can follow the show at Facebook.com slash WAIReally or follow on Twitter at WAIReally. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on Patreon.com slash WAIReally. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir, on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.